Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. That's what we tell you every week as you join us here live in the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast studios, where it is not an actual studio and we're not really live. This is recorded. It could be live. Maybe. We'll have to see about that. We want, we need your support to build a P-O-D army so maybe we can do it live. We can do it live and just conquer the world at that point nothing will stop us once we're live isn't that right jeremy reisman fearless leader at detroit online not only will nothing stop us but nothing can stop us there's not anything in this world that could stop us even theoretically no matter how hard you try you can't stop us now oh man i just said the word theoretically and anytime i say it yes anytime i say it that name just like i i instinctively like uh emphasize those uh those words that make it sound like theoretically and uh sad well yeah we have to put that one to rest that's coming up in two seconds here along with the latest signing for the detroit lions defensive line kent lee platt from well pride of detroit will join us a little bit later here to talk about training camp jeremy also has his notes from that and we have the final list cast of the season on quarterbacks will matt stafford still make it i think uh that's in more question than you think but you should listen to this we don't have a mailbag this week big show here packed. i'm Christopher. what packed packed a packed, packed. i'm trying not to use that word because now i'm thinking packers you know well, speaking we of got, packers mm, well let me get to me first <laughs> and one missing member here i'm chris Fett, the adequate host i'm sorry i have to make this about me jeremy <laughs> i have to make this about me at chris Fett. P-E-R-F-E-T-T here to host as always very adequately welcome welcome to our family welcome to the silliness and uh, we're ready for the season Uh, Ryan Matthews isn't here which is unfortunate because yeah we're going to close out this cast without him that sucks for him well it kind of comes full circle because we started this cast without him oh look at that yeah I like that I like that but but so the original bridge you were building for me before I stepped to the side and just urinated on the side of it. Wait, you're not going to uh, introduce me now? I introduce. Will you pay you? attention? I introduced <laughs> you before oh. me. Oh, we'll will do you it again. Pay attention. No, it's all live, Jeremy. <laughs> this is all live. We've, we've been over this. All right, real quick. I, I promise that these intros need to get shorter. We're diving right into it. Jeremy built me the bridge saying we've got a packed show and we start with a pack-er. Now, wait, hold on. This is in a good way. This is in a good way. 
Mike Daniels. Let's talk about the latest, newest Lions signing. Mike Daniels, surprising enough, got a sweetheart deal from the Detroit Lions. Did he not, Jeremy? He did. He got himself. I mean, I think Mike Daniels got everything he wanted. For a guy that I felt really bad for like three days ago because getting cut on the day before training camp is dirty. No man, We're like, seeing that a lot around the NFL lately, too, and it is the scummiest move possible. Yeah, and I mean, th- there's really no rationale for it. You have the entire offseason, unless like you have something very, very good reason to be upset at this one player, that's dirty. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what reason you have. I mean, this guy has his whole, like, he's, he's packed up for training camp. He's ready to go. And you're like, that's eh, sorry. Find somewhere else to live. Find, find somewhere else to get a job. When yeah. You had months to do it, months to do it. And so Mike Daniels essentially gets the, almost the exact same deal with Detroit. He gets to play Green Bay twice a year now. And I mean, according to his own words, he really, really wanted to play for Matt Patricia. So, you know, he hit all the check marks that he needed. And now he's ready to go. Ready to go. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious about the my, him wanting to play for Patricia, but I'll leave that alone. There are going to be some questions about Mike Daniels. Uh, the big thing is, I was reading this from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he did take a step back in 2018. He had a very strong 2017 by PFF. He had an 81.5 OVR. He was only a 71.3 OVR in 2018. So he did take a step back. Mm-hmm. But I think it's no denying, like, on paper. And again, I have to stress the on paper part. I'm the doom and gloom guy now, apparently, for this generation. And that's fine. I need to bring some doubt into y'all's Kool-Aid. On paper, though, this front of the defense looks really good. It does. And and we'll get into some mitigating reasons why maybe we should hold back our expectations when we talk about what's yeah, happened absolutely. at camp so far with yeah. injuries and stuff like that. But yes, on paper, I mean, we were talking about this defensive line, this defense, this defense period being a top 10 defense without Mike Daniels. Mm. And now, now you bring in him, you, you look at this defensive front, you look across the board, you have a really good starter at every position, right? Deshaun Hand, Ashawn Robinson, Snacks, Trey Flowers. Now you bring in Mike Daniels, who's going to come in on late downs and probably get sprinkled in with early downs as well. Um, you, you talk about the, the depth everywhere. I mean, you even got youth there. You've got um, a, a rookie in, in Austin Bryant, who may be more of a jack linebacker than a defensive end. Um, PJ Johnson showed a little bit in, in camp. We'll get to that a little bit later. But this this the one thing that I think I was concerned about, especially early in camp, because we've had all these injuries and we've seen the depth is like, well, blind starters are really good, but where's their depth? And now Mike Daniels comes in and adds a whole lot of depth to an already pretty good defensive line unit. Yeah. So like projecting here, we'd probably say what Daniels and then uh, break this down for me. Who are you seeing starting on that line then? I'm not sure if Daniels is starting. I think right now you're starting three or four, depending on what, uh, yeah. you know, position, what, what whatever scheme, formation what, they're in yeah. is, is Ashawn. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Trey flowers. Those are your three definite ones. And then on your left side, it's kind of Devon Kennard, even though he's technically a linebacker, he's usually kind of lined up as that fourth linebacker. And then you bring Mike Daniels off the bench. You bring Sean hand off the bench. You bring Austin Bryan off the off the bench, and and that's I mean that's a pretty good unit. I mean I haven't even mentioned Romeo Carr's name, and that's a guy the Lions really mm-hmm. really like. So like it is I mean that's that's my one concern is it is all focused on the defensive line. Uh, 
And, you know, we talked in the past about maybe the backfield being a strength. And now that's been thrown into question by last year. So, but at the, at the very least, like it's an impressive pass rush right now. Uh, I don't know if that's the only place where you want to be concentrated, but it's definitely the blueprint we have right now is to get an incredible amount of pressure on the quarterback and on the offensive line and to stuff the run. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I it think starts that, up front for the Lions. Right. And I, I think that was a big question though, that some Lions fans had because they're like, okay, I see this defensive front and I see a bunch of run defenders. I see Sean Robinson. I see Snacks. Those guys are really, really good against the run. I see mm-hmm. Trey Flowers. You know, Trey Flowers doesn't put up a ton of sack numbers, but he's pretty stout against the run. Bringing in Mike Daniels suddenly kind of changes and it's like, oh, they can pass rush too. That's that's really good news because while the Lions had a bunch of sacks last year, most of it was com- coming from that second level, the linebackers, some even from the secondary. Um and, and they weren't creating consistent pressure. It was, it was a lot of it was, was, you know, good coverage leading to sacks. Now they might be, have, be able to have sacks leading to good coverage. And that's a whole different dynamic when you got a whole bunch of potential playmakers in the secondary now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think, and the deal is uh, fascinating. It's one year, 7.8 million fully guaranteed, which is the number you want to read rather than the 9.1 million. Although I know the 9.1 counts towards the cap and everything. And the Lions did have that room in the cap. I think we've kind of groused before in the past that's like, hey, the Lions have all this cap money that they're not really spending and didn't spend during free agency. But, you know, they had that sitting there. So that was definitely a uh, a good use for it. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, like, I, I think people had kind of grown okay with the fact that, okay, they're just going to carry that 20 plus million into next year. They'll probably need it since they have a couple extensions. They probably need to work on now mm-hmm. um, because some of like Trey Flowers's contract takes a huge jump in terms of cap hit next year. Uh, that, that's the way a lot of their, their new contracts are, are uh, formatted so that while, while the lines had a lot of cap space this year, a lot of it is going away next year because of the way these, these deals are laid out. So carrying that money over seemed like a fine plan, having that much cap space also is good for instances like this. Cause this happens. If it doesn't happen right before training camp, a lot of times it'll happen right after tra- training camp, really good players will surprisingly get released and having that extra pocket of money, you know, en- enables you to throw $9 million at Mike Daniels. Right. And again, the big question for Mike Daniel on the field is again, going to be, can he bounce back his, again, his 2018 showing, was not as strong as 2017. So it's a matter of where does his trajectory go from here? Yeah. And I think Alliance fans are expecting the up and up. Yeah. And and you have to be a little bit careful about that. He's also coming off an injury and I've seen, I've seen at least one person kind of compare this to the TJ Lang signing. Um, And, and of course we've talked about this age a ton in the past, but he is 30. Yeah. I I think defensive linemen tend to be, I'm not saying they're they're great after the 30, but they tend to last yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Uh, but th- I, I would say the big difference between this and the, the, the TJ Lang deal is is that this isn't long term. Like they signed TJ Lang to what three years? This is mm-hmm. just like a one year. Hey, let's let's give this a shot. Like let's give 2019 a shot. I mean, is that not what this is assigned to? Is like the Lions just? I mean, they they essentially sold nine million dollars over their future to take a shot in 2019. Yeah, and I i mean, that's something I've been really trying to figure out from the Lions is that is 2019 going to be another please be patient with us for building year or is it going to be a, a year where they're actually serious about trying to go after the NFC North and be serious about trying to go after the playoffs? And this is kind of more of a sign 
towards the latter. Now, I think yeah. there's been other signs that have kind of pointed away from that, too. So it is a mixed bag, but it is a reassuring sign that it's like we're willing to back this all up. And I think for for Patricia, this is a feather in his cap for, you know, this guy's had a lot of bad press lately and he's just going to keep getting it uh, each time he opens his mouth. But when when Mike Daniels says that 13 teams call him and he wants to play for Patricia, that is a positive note in the in the in the plus column. Yeah. And that I mean, helps that helps him out. His his quote was unequivocally full behind I love this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to read it. Coach Patricia, straight up. He's he's why he was here. Quote, he's a genius. He really is. He understands the game of football. He knows what it takes to be able to play for a coach like that. It means everything. That's that's 100% support. And right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of shocking to hear because we have heard so much bad things after his first year. And, you know, any sort of coach that's kind of as, as loudmouthy and abrasive as he is, there are going to be some people that love it. There are going to be a lot of people that hate it. Um, Mike Daniels apparently is one of the people that love it. Or, I mean, it's just, I, I think it's more, I don't know if he, if what it tr- attracts Daniels is the abrasiveness is maybe as much as it is probably his focus on the defense. Yeah. I think it is more a schematic kind of love sure. that, that that's going on there. And again, he says there were 12 other suitors. We don't know how serious of the, those other suitors were. And money talks. The Lions threw a, a big chunk of money at him. True. Although, according to Ian Rappaport, and you know, Ian Rappaport issues aside, he did say that at least four of those teams offered the same or more money. So, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bag on Ian too much. I know we've we've had our squabbles <laughs> with him in the past. I want to, Ian, come on the podcast. Let's bury this hatchet. I mean, I know Jeremy, you've been working to bury it with him already. Like Ian works damn hard. I know like I don't these insider guys. No, I mean these insider guys have to put up with so much crap every now and then that just gets spoon fed to them. I I mean I work with a few of them at Fox Sports Radio now too. And like, man, <laughs> they only remember your failures. They only yeah. remember the misses. <laughs> yep. <it's 100%. laughs> they don't remember the hits. <laughs> no one's putting no one's keeping a record here. So I mean, <laughs> not to turn this into the defend Ian Rappaport at all costs hour, <laughs> but I mean <laughs> Give the guy a slack. Okay. Uh, one more note on Daniels before we move away. And I would be remiss to not talk about that. Um, you may remember this from ESPN, or maybe you saw it on Crunchyroll. What's Crunchyroll? Well, if you have to ask, we have to fill you in on this. And I know I'm losing Jeremy immediately. And I would probably lose Ryan here, too. The only person who can appreciate this with me is probably Andrew Cotto. <laughs> I'll let you have your moment. Mike Daniels is a weeb. If you don't know what that, he's an anime fan. He's a weeb. He's a weeaboo. Uh, I I was curious about this. I put out my you know question about it on on Twitter, and meanwhile, me and John Whitaker immediately start riffing on what kind of anime related questions we could take to combine interviews. And uh, no, like I, I was like, okay, how much of an anime fan is he? Because like Dragon Ball Z. Naruto, that's all very American. People know what those are. Like that's 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 pretty normy. That's just like Eric Ebron level anime. Yeah, yeah. That's like that, that's like the Fortnite of anime. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. You know what that means. I'm hitting you hard. Uh, but then all of a sudden I, I listened to the Crunchyroll interview and he's talking about sharing this with his son, because of course he is. And they were talking about like my hero academia. And I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I get that. Now I need to ask. Mike Daniels, Mike Daniels, come on this podcast and tell us subs or dubs. 
I need to know, are you a sub guy or are you a dub guy? How do you feel about old anime? How do you feel about new anime? Uh, did Evangelion make sense to you? Yes or no? That's the important thing. Jeremy, you need to go to camp and ask him, did Evan Neon Genesis Evangelion's ending make sense to him? Does he I'm read not, manga? I'm not going to do that. I don't yes, even, I'm not going to ask him a question using words that I don't know what they are. Listen, take, take me along. I will get on FaceTime or Skype or whatever. Take me along in a mobile, in a mobile digital face, you know, a unit. So my face can be there. So I can ask him, Mike Daniels, I'll, dubs I'll, for dubs. I'll tape an iPad to a Segway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've always wanted one of those things. It's fun to roll around on one of those things. I've seen some kids do that. They look so cool and so nerdy and so Silicon tech. And God, I hate people who do that. I'm, I would totally do that. Like this is the first lions player in a long time where I can geek out about this because like anime is not that weird. Like we've got a ton of guys who are, who, who are into video games and yet, and yet any time my nerdery crosses over into football, it does excite my pleasure zones. And I just want to ask him one thing. I just want to know, like, again, Mike Daniels, come on the podcast, come on the POD cast. I just want to know where he stands on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You can watch any other anime. I've been really into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and uh, I'm constantly tweeting about it at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And I want to know where he stands on it, because if he comes out into the field and he's doing like, I just want to know when he charges that guard. I just want to know if he's like, or not. That's all I need to know. Are we done? <laughs> yes. Let's talk about Theo Riddick. Yes. We need to talk about Theo Riddick. Yeah. Um, speaking of, we, we literally said this like 10 minutes ago that it's incredibly scummy cutting a guy right before training camp. And uh, we were willing to lay that at the feet of the Packers. And now I think we need to make sure that we own up and levy that same criticism to the Lions because they did Theo Riddick dirty here. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't necessarily disagree, but if you get a guy like Mike Daniels, you have to cut somebody, right? No, I, mean, I, I, get, I get that, but at the same time, like, I mean, just because like you're moving dominoes doesn't mean we can excuse them on it. Well, I don't know. I think you can. I mean, with Mike Daniels, it's not like the Packers just got someone else that was better than Mike Daniels. Lions no. got a huge pickup in free agency and like, whether it's a guy that's as good as theoretic or a guy that's number 90 on the, on the training camp roster, like someone's going to get cut and that's just, it sucks. It sucks for him. It sucks. And for you're theoretic over some of the other running backs on this roster. Well, I think the lions, I here's what I think happened. I think the lions were eventually going to cut theoretic and maybe they're going to cut Mark Thompson too, but theoretic has a better chance of joining some, joining a team and catching on and being a part of a regular season squad while Mark Thompson doesn't. So it would actually be to theoretics benefit to cut him now instead of in, in September. Actually, um, speaking of that, now that as soon as we're saying that I'm sitting here reading, I think, uh, the saints are, no, the saints are just, he's visiting, he's visiting like, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's already got a visit with the saints by the time this podcast drops is certainly possible that he'll sign with them. I think he's, he's going to find a place for things too. He's, he fits what the saints want to do with their running backs. He is yeah. a pass first, pass catching first running back and that's exactly what they do with Alvin Kamara yeah and and I mean I, maybe that means it's not what the lines are going to be doing here and I think maybe that's something you have to think about obviously I think people uh, generally agree that 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 uh, 
I mean, Amir Abdullah. Whew, carry on Johnson uh, mm. is, is going to uh, be a bigger part of the receiving game. Um, but I think the guy that this affects the most, and there's been a lot of talk about him right now, is Ty Johnson, the, the six-round rookie. He was a guy that, admittedly, I didn't think was going to make this roster. Um, he doesn't do that much, period. Like, I understand people think, yeah, he's he's a good kick returner. He's got a bunch of speed. Speed is exciting. We think about Javid Best and how, how exciting he was with the Lions offense. But let's be clear, and I don't mean to jump into the training camp stuff yet. Ty Johnson has not taken a rep as a punt returner. I haven't seen him take a rep as a kick returner. This guy is just a guy who's fast. And to me, that's not a guy that you should be relying on much this year at all. If if at all, like I, I have questions about whether he can run between the tackles. I have questions whether he can catch the ball a lot. I know people say it's within his skill set, but he didn't do it a lot in college. I think he only had 30 catches in his career at college. He's just a fast guy and fast guys come and go in this league. And, and oh, I think very quickly. I think the thing that we lose the most in losing theoretic when we're talking about the Detroit Lions, though, is just that that passing element. And again, I know Carry on Johnson can do that, but as far as depth, uh, it does have me worried a little bit, especially when it comes to injury. When it comes to that position, and Carry on Johnson just had an injury last year, and uh, I don't even know if Ty Johnson, given the quotes out of training camp, I don't even know if Ty Johnson is still in the running for that third. It it might go to the sack center again and that makes me all kinds of mad oh i, I that, that, that makes me all kinds so. of mad if, it, if it's if it's zenner over theoretic i'm sorry i it's gonna happen i'm sorry like ah. the, the, the lions are keeping four running backs and they're all set now like the running back p- competition is done sorry mark thompson but it you're the lines are going to keep four running backs it's going to be carry on it's going to be cj it's going to be zach zenner and now it's going to be ty johnson like i don't think there's any question about it anymore unless the lines only decide to keep four and a fullback um, I think they keep five and a fullback or four and a fullback. Sorry, not three and a fullback. Um, because, I mean, you, you need that depth. Running backs get get tired. They get injured, uh, especially when you got, got a guy like Carrion who's got an injury history. So the question to me is just like, is Ty Johnson just going to be that guy that's inactive every week? That's you like realize you realize we've been doing this podcast now almost for four years. And four years ago, I had the same gripe about ZZ. <laughs> and he is still here. He has outlived like this is a cockroach. But not I mean, saying that's a denigrating way, but like, man, you can survive the apocalypse, ZZ. I don't get I don't get it. I mean, he's I haven't he's seen the it, talent though. ever. I know. I'm sorry. I haven't seen that talent. I don't. Like, he's, but he's lasted four different or three different. I know he now. has. I so know there's he has. something in my mind. <laughs> well, I think there's something there, and you have to go back to the very first POD cast. For, for me, you to hear that reason back when I was stupid and said these things out loud. But, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm smarter. No, but I'm wiser. Go on. Th- I'm not saying the fans. I, fans love him for a whole bunch of different reasons. And we're all skirting around one that we think has a lot to do with it. But <laughs> but he's been, like I said, like he's now been through, well, I guess, only two head coaches. Jim Caldwell and now <laughs> Patricia. But- are you, you, were, you were about to pump his head coaching survival numbers up. Listen. I'm sorry I, I didn't realize that the Lions hadn't gone through three head coaches in four years. You were going to attribute him it, to the That's usually shorts, a safe assumption you. with this team. You were going to attribute him to the gym shorts. <laughs> I was. You got me. Wow. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he is, he is coming off his best year. 4.8 yards per carry. And granted, a lot <sighs> of that was against know. real garbage teams at the end of the year. But I, I don't know. Like The guy has done just about everything you could ask of a third or fourth running back. 
Well, let's take not. a break. Yeah, well, let's let's take a break here. Again, we're we're way over we're over the time limit. These these first segments have been going longer and longer, and I mean that's good. But I want to break here. We're going to catch up with ZZ on the other side and everything else from training camp. Kentley Platt, the infamous math bomb of Pride of Detroit, is joining us. He's going to help us break down some training camp notes. And Jeremy's been there too. And I just I I'm not there. I am. Everyone else is having a grand old time in Michigan. And I'm out here sweating my my ass off here in Southern California. I have a list of questions. I have a list of doubts for this team. And I want to see if training camp addresses any of them. We're going to get to that with Jeremy and Kent on the other side. This is the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Make sure to download this podcast if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your favorite podcast, it's probably there. You can find it. Just search for Pride of Detroit Podcast. We will be right back here. Training Camp News with Kent Lee Platty coming on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's training camp time. It is hype camp time. This is where everything goes awry. Everything like makes or breaks your year. Tight ends are out there catching double-digit passes. You are convinced the Kool-Aid is flowing, and you are absolutely convinced the Lions are going to make the playoffs just from what they're doing against themselves. The Lions are playing with themselves, and you are convinced that that means Super Bowl. Congratulations. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> we promised we'd get right in from defensive linemen. Let's bring in now our temporary third man here, Kent Lee Platty, who the math bomb, the math bomb, uh, as it were, the originator of RAS, the man who is just going places, man. I can't believe I mean, I even get to talk to you. You're, you're almost too big for us. Are, are you, you might be the first 10 K Twitter follower we've ever had on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. I just hit that this weekend. I, I, I normally get like 50 or 60 followers over, over training camp, the guys that want the updates. And I got an absurd amount of followers this week and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very, I'm very humbled by the amount of people that decide that I'm, I'm worth their time. 
10 times than people who feel like I'm worth their time. So, I mean, hey. <laughs> it's totally not a coincidence that once you hit 10,000 followers, you're like, oh, crap, we got to have Kent back on the podcast. <laughs> now, are you totally, going to get a totally check mark now? Is that how this works? Is like now that you're at 10K, there's going to be like fake math bombs out there and you're just going to have to get a blue check mark? I'm I'm a little sad that there's no parody accounts out there. I, well, I have, I will I have a very happen. specific setup. I have a specific type of content that I put out specifically during the draft time. I'm surprised it hasn't been parodied yet. <laughs> By the time, also, let me make this suggestion to you too. Like, I'm available for hire if you want a graphic designer on some of the RAS scores to really oh, make them spick and sparkle, man. Absolutely, I'm I'm all for it. My graphic design talk still, off air. Still talk trash. Off air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's going to be a math born. Bornb account Born. by the time Bob this thing drops. Bob, 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 Bob. RN combining for an M like the Adarn Schefter. All I'm saying is if you're listening right now, go make a Kent Lee Platty a parody account. Go do it right now. Gotta be funny though. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not really gonna get retweeted. It ain't funny. And it's gotta fake people out. It's gotta fake out some local papers who pick up like a fake RES score. <laughs> and then suddenly, Kent, you're gonna have to like watermark everything with like you know property of kent lee platy do not steal this is legit <laughs> well we'll talk about that when you're doing the graphic design stuff you'll, mm, have, you'll have to yeah. find me a good one yeah yeah well this is all very cash money and what's cash money is also talking about training camp uh we left off last segment talking about the mike daniels signing uh the big story out of training camp right now is once again it, it always is right it's a health it's health and one of the big the big reasons mike daniel was signed i think jeremy was that, uh, I mean, how, how many is it, Jeremy Kent? There's only like four, I think, who, was it Justin Rogers who was saying there's only like four healthy defensive yeah. linemen right now? At, the, at yeah. the end of camp today, there were only four left. Today yeah. being Sunday, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it has anything to do with Mike Daniels signing. Mike Daniels just became available, and if Mike Daniels becomes available, you pick up the phone. But it was kind of nice timing because, yeah, Deshaun Hand went out today early, uh, Mitchell Lowen, who's starting to make a name for himself, went out at the end of practice. Austin Bryant went out. We already got snacks. Hasn't come back from the NFI. Uh, Ashawn Robinson is missing. Trey Flowers is on the pup. There, there's a lot of energy in injuries, and it's kind of a bummer because it's kind of taken a little bit of the excitement out of the Mike Daniel signing a little bit because we were for 24 hours. We we're like, holy crap, Mike Daniels, defensive line is going to be crazy. And, and I mean, we, we all have to temper ex- our expectations about the injuries, too. It's not the lines are obviously being as careful as they can be. There's no reason to rush guys back, even if they're hurting a little bit. But at the same time, like the Austin Bryant injury didn't look good based on what Dave Burkett said. I didn't see the Deshaun hand injury, but that didn't sound too good either. Um, the lines could need Mike Daniels a lot sooner than we thought. <laughs> And anytime, anytime you start having injuries, even if they are minor ones, you know, guys are, guys are losing reps in camp. Right. And sometimes that's good when you have a bunch of younger guys that, that need it. But when you get to a certain point on the depth chart, you're not gaining any value, right? Nobody's the, the lions are probably not gaining a whole lot of value from Ray Smith seeing time right. at nose tackle. Right. So What's his RAS score? I'm just curious. What's his RAS score? I actually think he might have had a good one, but he ain't a nose okay. tackle. I have it up. I'm pulling it up. You know, <laughs> of course it's you always, are. <laughs> it's always up. Oh, 9.68. Oh, boy. Wow. Wow. Maybe I'm large. Consider it. I'm going to change my tune now. We should, we should benefit from that. We should definitely try to do that. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm convinced now, too, to be honest. If you don't know RES, Relative Athletic Score, Kent does these like every draft year, and then you'll, you'll be doing these through the... Uh, actually, you won't be able to do it through the college season, although I think you'll be doing some project, projections, but like you like to take you know what we know about these guys from Combine and just kind of let us know just like... Your, your metrics been picked up as just being just this raw indicator of just athletic strength, which gets muddled up because like football is such a game of 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 schemes and and formations and and assignments and everything else. It's kind of hard to tell who is the you know like the athlete out there. But I digress. Yeah. Let's get light uh, right back into not not to digress further. Let's get right back into another question. I have one more question about the defense right now, and I know. Um, Jeremy, we were talking off air and you say that there are like better signs out of the linebackers, but I have questions about the linebackers. And I think my big worry about the Daniel signing was that it's great. It's fantastic. It's a big name on the defensive line, but the rest of this defense is starting has question marks about it. And we saw those question marks in the secondary and, you know, Darius Slay is back now. They're still working on a contract. Hopefully that'll help stabilize things. Although a couple other cornerbacks we might have some questions about, but then linebackers, especially Jared Davis, uh, big question marks right now. Yeah. I mean, it's early. It's, it's hard to tell a lot of things. I've always had questions about Jared Davis's ability to cover. I think maybe that is a bigger deal than some of the other stuff. Question is just what position they're going to be putting Jared Davis in, because it's clear that Jelani Tavai is getting the express track to a starting job. And if that's the case, is he going to be in the middle more and they're going to have Jared Davis running around chasing quarterbacks, chasing down running backs a little more. Um, what I've seen early in terms of him dropping into coverage is not promising in, in camp. Uh, but, but the question is just how often are they going to, uh, they, they know this, they know that that's not a strength of his. So are they going to put him in a lot of positions where he's doing that? I sure hope not. And I sure hope Jelani Tavai progresses enough to where they don't have to, because I think Tavaya has looked actually okay in coverage, and we all know that Jalen Reeves-Maben is actually pretty good in it, and he's a guy that I probably came into camp underrating, but now Jalen Reeves-Maben's kind of impressed me so far, and it looks like he might take a bigger role than I was expecting, because you know Christian Jones was was repping behind him when Christian Jones was healthy, um, and and I don't know. I mean, the linebackers are certainly a big question mark on this roster, but. Um, Jer- and, and Jared Davis is the first question, but uh, with with I, I think Jelani Tavai just kind of throws a big wrench into those plans, and we don't know what those plans are going to be until they get on the field against a different team. Well, the good thing about Tavai too, just to make it even easier for us, is that they've played him in every single linebacker yeah. spot. So yep. even if even if we were starting to get an idea of what they want to do on defense, it doesn't help us with what they want to do with Tavai because they've had him everywhere. Right. Uh, he's played all all four linebacker spots on this defense, and they just love moving him around. They love having him rush the passer. They put him in coverage. Uh, they have him covering the flats. They have him covering guys running up the seam. They've had him in zone. They've had him in man. Uh, they're they're not pulling any punches. Um, prior to Matt Patricia, they they did this with with Jared Davis too, where they threw him right to the wolves and just had him doing everything. Uh, it yeah. didn't work out quite as good with him. I think because it was just a little bit overwhelming, but Tavai doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by any of this stuff. Uh, yeah. He doesn't seem, I mean, he, we have, we were talking to Brett Whitman from, from pro football focus about Whitehead. pass rushing moves. And you know, Jelani Tavai only really had like one or two pass rushing moves in college. He's a very strong dude. 
uh, when he gets leverage on you, he, he can make that little dip move and get around the corner. It's, it's a nice move, but it's, it wasn't very, it's not versatile. It's, it's only one or two moves that he has, but he's already started showing moves that he didn't have in his college tape. And if you're a guy that's trying to learn multiple, multiple positions on a defense and you're picking up additional skills at the same time, that by itself is pretty impressive. to me. Yep. All right, now to turn our attention to the offense. And I know for me, I am always about the offense. And I, I admit that. I admit that the defense is going to be what it is. But for me, this is a game now of offense. And I think there are questions about the offense. There has to be when there's a new offensive coordinator. And I think with training camp, we get our first glimpses of that. I know it's going to be very vanilla. And, you know, I've already talked about the TJ Hawkinson hype going out of control right now. And I kind of agree. I mean, it, I. Not to bring in another radio show, but I was listening to Dan Patrick and I know his take is that we should always be careful about training camp highlights because they are ultimately meaningless. If a guy has a great catch, it's in training camp. It's against his own defense. And it's more of a product that we're just starved for like football stuff right now that we're just taking that to mean something when it really doesn't. It's guys who are running drills and if they run the drill and are successful. Great. They make that and we're all impressed. Or, of course, you know, they fail the drill or what have you. But a lot of these are by design. But there are questions. Go Can on, I push back on that? Like, I don't like why can't I be excited about a good play? Like, well, that, I think I would be excited about it. But I just think I think problem is, is that people then project that to say that this guy is going to have a great year on the field. OK, but if if you know in the bubble, if you're, excited, if you're throwing that away, then like, why? Why is anyone on the field during training camp? Like, why? Why are the coaches there? They, no, they're they there to evaluate. Be, I just don't think the fans can make that evaluation. Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, Hawkinson has been tearing stuff apart, and I'm not saying he, that means he's going to be a top five tight end. Tearing the Lions defense apart, but it's 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 more than that. It's it's making contested catches because you throw anybody right there, and 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 the catches that he's making are impressive. I don't care who's there. He's making tough catches. He's and he's doing it consistently. He's not dropping the ball at all. Like, do you remember the last time the Lions drafted a top ten tight end, and we were having drop counter every day at training camp during his rookie year? From the first day, opposite. (laughs) It is the exact opposite of coverage, and 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 it's not, and it's certainly not like the Lions media has become less cynical. If anything, the Lions media is more cynical at this point. But Hawkinson is is proving himself. Well, I'm going to be one of the cynical ones on that. And I'll just, I'll just say, well, wait and see. I don't mind waiting. You know, I don't have much longer to wait. That's for sure. We understand, Chris. You've been hurt before. <laughs> I'm just Johnny Cash over here. Uh, let's talk again, though, to get back to our, my conversation with the offense. It's, it's different this year, of course. Daryl Bevel, new offensive coordinator. But I want to tee up these questions for you guys. Like, and uh, hello to the dog in the background there. Uh, yeah. No, it's fine. fine. We, I thought it was Jeremy's for a second. Uh, is like, I I just want to know, like, first off, how on like a basic level is this offense different? And I think the big question for me then is coming back to a philosophical question from last year in that this team stated goal and explicit goal by, by, by deeds as well as words was that they wanted to make the lions offense, which is always run through Matthew Stafford and through the air. They wanted to make it ground first they want to establish you know that's our meme the lions must establish the run game that was a, a meme i came up with way back from 
who who was it on NBC who was always saying that about the Lions every time they're on? It's like the Lions have to establish the run. I'm like, with what? What do they have to establish the run? And last year they did try to legitimately establish the run because they had carry on Johnson. And a lot of times the Lions offense lived and died by whether or not they could get that ball rolling on the ground. And more often than not, they would waste downs trying to get the ball running on the ground, even though it was clear that entire game that wasn't going to happen. Is this offense? And yet that kind of philosophical question, I think reaches above the offensive coordinator. I think that goes up to the coach. But is this offense still looking and still being run on the concept that it is going to be a run first offense? I don't think any offense is really a run first offense anymore, but they definitely want to run the ball more. Um, We were talking about this right after, well, actually, uh, Jeremy and I had talked about it before they made the decision to cut Theo Riddick, but uh, the offense from a running perspective looks a lot different. Uh, In the previous offenses, going, going all the way back, since Stafford's been here, if they, if they picked up a running back like Ty Johnson, the idea would be that they were going to run him out of shotgun or they were going to run him on, on uh, outside zone types of plays. But almost none of the plays that we've seen with Ty Johnson, who right now is the, the fourth guy on the depth chart, you know, they've, they've all been running out of power. They've been running him behind a fullback. They've been trying to get him not just, oh, we're going to get him in space and we're going to see what he can do. It's the idea of we're going to create a crease that he can get through to, to, to run the same stuff that they did with, with carry on Johnson last year. So the idea that this, this offense is going to be establishing the run is a little bit more than just, they want to run the ball a lot better. Uh, they want to run the ball in a way that teams pay attention to what they're doing with their running backs. They pay attention to what their blocking is going to be doing. I think teams like to teams like to key in defensively on what the offensive line is doing, whether they're run blocking or pass blocking. That's how they identify things like you know play action or the the uh, run pass option stuff now. So I think what the Lions are trying to do differently from the previous ones, they're trying to take advantage of that. They're trying to use pre snap motion, which is just, we all know how great it is. They're finally doing one of the most basic concepts in football again, uh, but they're trying to use that stuff to use the run game to pass the ball as much as they are running it. It's not just being able to run the ball and run it efficiently. It's being able to run an offense efficiently with the run game where we haven't had that before. The run game has always sucked. It was, it was a joke part of the offense. Well, now it's not. That, I mean, that was beautifully said. Like I, I, someone, someone asked me a similar question this week, just like, Hey, do you, are you noticing any differences between Jim Bob Cooter's offense and and Daryl Bevels and I'm like, all of the differences, like literally everything is different. Stafford's moving around a much around a bunch. The pre snap motion is huge, and and yeah, I, I think I think there's. I mean, I I it, it's a cliche, and then a lot of times people I think mis, misuse a lot, but in in the very basic sense, they're using the run to set up the pass, and I don't mean that as just like oh, you just run the ball a ton and then everyone's expecting run and you throw it over their heads. That's not what they're doing. They're kind of just, they're just making it so that the formations are very similar. Finally. And it's not, they're not tipping their hand that much. They're, they're setting up smart play action plays. And I mean, for a a time of year in which, you know, Chris said it himself, like this is when they're supposed to be very vanilla. I think they haven't really been that vanilla. I think they've shown a lot of of different things and it's, it's, it's exciting. You always want to temper your expectations with a first year offense because it takes a while, but 
it's it's just exciting to see something new and and look different than what we've had for the past year year and a half all right and the last question i have for you guys here and i want to tee this up and again this is this comes with a new offensive coordinator and it comes to matthew stafford and i know for a few years here we've had an unquestioning uh we've been very unquestioning about stafford's role in this offense but every time there is a new offensive coordinator i have to ask this will stafford gel with that offensive coordinator now in the press he has made really good quotes about you know his relation with Daryl Bevel. That's to be expected. That is QB talk. That always happens. But I want to ask you guys whether or not you think Stafford will gel with an offensive coordinator, especially when the pressure is on. I believe this about Stafford. Stafford, when the pressure is on, this is where Stafford tends to get in trouble. Not like when the pressure is on, I mean, I mean like not when he's down or in crunch time. That alone is not when pressure is on, but it's like, when the when the offense is clearly being challenged, when that happens for like say Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers goes out and start starts freelancing. Stafford, I feel, doesn't do that. It, it it breaks down a little bit more for Stafford, and we see these mental mistakes out of there. So, like, are they working on that at all, or is like how do you see Stafford working with Daryl Bevel? Will anything change when it comes to Stafford's approach to the game? Or we're just going to, you know, or do we just have what we have in Stafford and we're just building around him right now? Yeah, for for my understanding, Stafford likes he likes to throw the ball deep. He hasn't been able to the last couple of seasons, but he's always loved challenging defenses deep. And Daryl Bevel is a guy that has done that in the past. Uh, I think drafting a guy like TJ Hawkinson offers him some options to do that. And when the script starts to break down, Stafford's going to want some kind of option that he can do that with. He wants already to got Marvin Jones. He, he wants yeah, a safety exactly. valve like Calvin Johnson was. Yeah. Right. So he wants, he wants the safety valve, somebody, somebody that he can go deep, not just a safety valve. I'll get to that. There's, I'm going to use that a little differently in a second, but he, he wants somebody that he can, if he's, if he's got 10 yards, he needs to get or more. He's got a long distance. He got to get, he wants to have somebody he can actually rely on to try to get those yardage. He doesn't like having, no ability to do it, having to rely on somebody just to get all those yards themselves. He wants to be the guy that does that. So he needs somebody that's going to be reliable in that role. Likewise, I think he's getting to the point in his career where he also kind of wants somebody that he can rely on just to get a couple of yards. You know, he's always had Theo Riddick. We, we joked about the whole third and long. Theo Riddick's going to do a draw for nine yards when there's 13 yards to go. You know, we, joke, we joked about true. that. It was, but I think, I think there's some weight to having, having somebody that you can rely on to get a couple of yards if you have nothing else to get. And that's where Jesse James comes in. That's where Danny Amendola comes in. Um, and to a lesser extent, that's part of why where Hawkinson comes in, because Hawkinson isn't just that deep playmaker. He's not just a guy that can run downfield and make plays. He can do almost anything you want him to do. He's a very versatile type of player. He has a lot of worth. On the, on the offense when it comes to route running and what, what types of routes he can run and be effective with. But Stafford's got to have some kind of outlet that he can rely on to get those long yardage so that he can get first downs when he feels like he has to get those downs. He has to make those plays. But all the same, if there's nobody open, he has to have somebody that can run an underneath route and reliably be there to get that pass and create some kind of separation underneath. And he hasn't had that for years, except for Riddick. And now Riddick is gone. I think that that role is going to be transferred a bit to Jesse James and Danny Amendola, where they're going to be the guys underneath. 
Uh, and to CJ Anderson too, because he, he ran those little short curls that you always have your running back do on long plays. Um, but I think that that's where him and Daryl, Daryl Bubba are really going to get along is when things start to break down, they're going to have a, they're going to have a script. They're going to have a plan for what they can do in those situations. Cause that's where Stafford's more comfortable. You know, we like, we love to sit here and call him a, a gunslinger and talk about, he loves to throw the ball downfield, but it's not just challenging downfield and saying, you know, YOLO, here's a throw. You know, it's, it's having a plan of what you want to do with the football. If everything else breaks down. And that's going to be the challenge with, with Stafford and Daryl Bevel is if they can get on the same page for those type of situations. Especially in this year, which I feel like is a make or break year for Stafford uh, going into the season. I, this season will literally determine the future for Stafford and the Lions organization. Really Absolutely. We're, we're, Absolutely. We're at this crossroad here. Stafford's not getting any younger. Uh, the contract is just, it's there. It's what it is. And I, we, I don't think it's right now time to start talking about will the Lions, if they have another bad season, get a quarterback. But it's, it's been on the minds of some fans and it will only grow. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it better for that because I'm already scouting quarterbacks for next year just in case. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to make that any better for you. Well, we will save that for another time because as always, Kent, we love having you on. No one brings it better than you, especially when it comes to scouting. And uh, this will be a fun little college year too. I'm, I'm getting back and watching more college football, even with my weird overnight schedule. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that sometime. Kent Lee Platty on Twitter at MathBomb. Thanks for joining us, Kent. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Yep, yep. Uh, stick around, folks. We'll be right back. It is the final list cast, the final one for our positions not the final list cast list cast is eternal but quarterbacks the top 10 quarterbacks of the nfl me and jeremy are going to break that down for you next All right, let's start our list cast. Ultimate list cast. The ultimate list cast. The final list cast. Not really. I think we're going to bring back list cast here. Now that we've got this new format down pat and people seem to enjoy it, I am going to bring it back for more fun list casts. Uh, This is in our place of our mailbag here. So if you hear this list cast drop in segment three in the future, it means we're going to probably do like a list cast of like N64 games or something. I'm sorry. Just the way it is. I want these, Jeremy. Well, before we get into silly list cast, we got to finish. We've, serious we've, list got to cast. Out. we've got to close this out. We got to close out strong with quarterbacks. Absolutely. No Ryan here to defend his picks. Did Ryan even enter in some picks? He did. He did. And guess what? Listcast begins without Ryan here. Listcast ends without Ryan here. He's not here to defend himself either, so that's fine. As always, to explain the format, we now take contributions from all of the Pride of Detroit writers or whoever wants to get their, their votes in, rank 1 to 10 on a position, and then we score them accordingly tally them all up. Sometimes weird things happen. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes a guy gets snubbed. Other times ah, you do what you got to do. And uh, yeah, this is the last one. We're doing quarterbacks. We saved the best for last. We saved one of the more exciting, like the whole, the whole damn sports universe revolves around quarterbacks. If we can't make hot takes about quarterbacks, then we've got nothing. 
we're in the wrong business if we can't we're do that. absolutely in the wrong business it is you know you can complain about qb wins all you want you can complain about how much attention is given to the position, but it, it is the star position in a way that no other sport can compete. Point guards, we don't do this with point guards. We don't do this with pitchers. We don't do this with you know, cleanup batters. We, we don't do this with centers in hockey. Like it is quarterbacks, man. It is quarterbacks. And, and you get to do a unique thing. You get to throw the, the football. You get to throw the football. I think, I, I think we understand what the quarterback position is. Throw the dang ball. <laughs> Throw the dang ball, Bobby. All right. Usually we stump for guys here, but there's only 15 names on our list. And uh, we'll just tell you who didn't make it, but got votes. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins. And then coming in at 11, and the guy we will talk about here who did not make the list. First, can, almost, first can I, almost can I, did. Can I yeah. shame Donna Whitaker for voting Kirk Cousins? I'm going to call him Please. out. Please. Well, He's I mean, the, you, you call him out. I will call out one of our other writers here in a second. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing with Kirk, Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. The only is, single vote for Kirk Cousins at 10 for John Whitaker's list. Kirk Cousins might not be a top 10 quarterback in the NFC North this year. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's not true, but <laughs> I was just very surprised to see any votes for Kirk Cousins. Uh, can we talk about how Jerry has given us at number five, Carson Wentz? The, I, listen, the sole vote here for Wentz. Is that true? Wow, that yes. is true. Yes. Uh, well, you know what? I think when he came on with you a couple of weeks ago, I think he warned that something like this might happen. <laughs> well, I mean, Carson, you can make a Carson Wentz for a top 10 quarterback, I think. Not I mean, at number five. Probably, probably not the fifth best quarterback, but there was a lot of hype around him before all the injuries started happening. He, he played pretty well last year, 14th in PFF, but number five, I, I don't know. Yeah, They're, I don't want to stump for him, and we need to get into the top 10, <clears throat> but Matthew Stafford did not make our top 10. Hold up. I hear you stopping the podcast right now. Just hold up. Hold up. He missed it by a single vote. He missed it by a single vote, and honestly, Jeremy, if there has ever been a year to question if Stafford is a top 10 quarterback. It has to be this year, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. Last week, there was that, uh, that poll of NFL coaches and executives. Where did they place Matthew Stafford? 11th. Mm-hmm. Same as us. And, and yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I mean, we all had him like fifth or sixth last year, and that, I think that was fair at the time, too. Coming off a really good 2017s. I, I think we were doing some home cooking back then, but yeah. I mean, maybe, but he was coming off a great 2016 season, a pretty good 2017 season. I think he's still on the bubble. Um, that's why he came in 11th. I didn't have him personally on my list. I know, I'm pretty sure you didn't either. Uh, but four people did. <laughs> as, as, yeah. hard, as hard as Mike Payton tried by putting him fourth. He put him fourth. That's basically <laughs> taking away that he only had like, what, four, four points, four points, which would have pushed him yeah. down to 14th or something. But he, I mean, he just has a lot to prove. I, I believe Matthew Stafford could very well break the top 10 next year because I really think, based on what I've seen at camp so far, based on you know how, how comfortably he looks already in Daryl Bevel's offense, I, I think he can make it his way up there, but he no longer has the benefit of the doubt after last year. He really doesn't, nor does he have the weapons or the utility around him for me to really trust what the output for Matthew Stafford is going to be this year. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is right now. And I do not, I'm not as optimistic as Jeremy here. I'm just not, 
I think we know who Stafford is by now. I think the big knock on him, it's not that he's pad stats or he can't win on the road or anything like that. It's that when here, here's the thing, here's the thing. It has to work out perfectly with him with Bevel. We touched on this during the training camp uh, segment with Ken. When Stafford meshes with his offensive coordinator, it goes well. But as soon as there is some breakdown, rather than rather than you know what we see with Aaron Rodgers when there's a breakdown there where Aaron Rodgers starts freelancing, Stafford just gets confused. He gets confused. He makes a lot of mental mistakes. He starts bumbling around out there. And that will always worry me. That is his like essential flaw that always, always worries me is that kind of mental tick where when things start to go south, he starts to, rather than rising above it, he starts making more mistakes. See, and, and I don't know if I necessarily, I, that was certainly true last year. We saw him make a lot of weird, I think unchar- uncharacteristic mistakes. Yeah, but I saw year. it, I saw it in, in the past too with, with, but not like, I mean, well. But crunch time used to be the Matthew Stafford time when oh, things were going down, when they were losing, sure. when they were in big trouble. He was the one that pulled him out of the fire. Well, I think I think there's a difference between being down in crunch time and being on the same page as your OC versus being down in crunch time and not sure what the hell is going on. I think those are two different scenarios, but we're already seven minutes into this already and we haven't cracked our top 10. So. Let's That's the word on Stafford. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go here. Beating out Stafford by a single point, and then there's like a huge gap between this guy and the top nine is Deshaun Watson, who a lot of questions about Watson this year. But I think everyone is, has been very positive about Deshaun Watson. The Texans better hope he, he looks good this year as well because, I mean, God, it's been forever for the Texans to try to put this together. But I know this is something Ryan's missing out on because I know he's a big Watson head. What, what's your take on Watson? Well, I think last year proved a lot in his favor. Um, played a full season, first of all, after you know getting injured early in his rookie year. Yep. But, I mean, you, you look at his years. He's had 103 pass rating his first year, 103.1 his second year. And the guy doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, only nine last year. I mean, the biggest question, the big thing that was holding him back was all the fumbles. He had nine yeah. fumbles last year. And uh, he, he is a little bit careless of the ball, even with the low amount of interceptions. So um, if he can kind of be a little more consistent, not turning the ball over, turning the ball over is just about the worst thing you can do as a quarterback. So the fact that Deshaun Watson's a little bit careless with the ball, that's what held me back. Everything else I, I'm fine with. Dude completed almost 69% of his passes last year. Nice. 8.2 yards per pass. Like the guy is explosive. Just needs to care, handle the ball a little better. And I know we're supposed to view these guys in a vacuum, but Watson will be back with Will Fuller, and that is going to be a very interesting combination to see in the AFC South. Plus the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, of course. In in yeah. Hopkins. Thank you. My brains. Uh, it's getting hot in here. I've had the AC off now for over an hour. So uh, let's see here. Number nine, and this is where the jump comes. And tie, we actually have a tie once again at eight nine, which I mean, this is just going to keep happening. And then there's a huge gulf after this. Matt Ryan and Cam Newton. Matt Ryan and Cam Newton tied at eight and nine. I, you know what? I probably hold Ryan up a little higher. Actually, he was only seven on my list, but still, like, I, uh, I think Ryan pieced it together a couple of years ago, and he had a down year here. But I think 
when we're talking about quarterbacks who I feel can rebound, I, I do have faith in Matt Ryan. Cam Newton, I had him in my top 10, but I mean, uh, window's closing for me to keep seeing that Cam Newton style. And like, I kind of root a little bit personally for Cam Newton, but that Super Bowl is getting further and further in the distance. I think these rankings show just how hypocritical we are, especially when it comes to like the quarterback wins things. Because Matt Ryan had himself a, le- a year last year. 8.1 yards per attempt, 108.1 passer rating, almost 70% completion percentage. Dude was on fire. But he, the, the Falcons went 7-9, and nine, so Matt Ryan falls all the way almost out of the top 10. You know what it is, too? It's like you can't, you can't lose a Super Bowl that way and just be considered in the top five. I'm sorry. I, I, I know you're going to object to that, but yes, you I cannot am. lose a Super Bowl that way and ever wear that off with people. That is going to be in the back well, of your head for the rest of your life. And that, and you know what? That's why Jared Goff is not on this list. Spoiler alert. <laughs> because he lost the Super Bowl in a real bad way. Oh my God, did he? Did he? And he has plenty of opportunity to keep losing more Super Bowls, don't he? he and that's, I mean, and that's I'm, a crazy thing. Jared Goff didn't have a bad year either. Are we doing that with Cam Newton as well? Or were we just Maybe. like, I mean, the thing with the Panthers, Cam Newton. but the Panthers are just like every, every other year, they're going to be good. Every other year, they're going to suck. And, and maybe Cam Newton has something to do with that. Maybe he doesn't. I still haven't watched all of all or nothing, but uh, the reviews are very mixed on, on how that makes him look. I like him a lot. I think when he's at his best, he's a top three quarterback, top three. I'm not stuttering top three. Uh, but but there are inconsistency issues and whether it's an emotional thing or whether it's, you know, just, you know, some people aren't accurate all the time. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I like Cam Newton a lot. But I think I like Matt Ryan a little more. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Cam Newton, too. And I know you hate doing the off the field stuff, but like every time Cam Newton loses, I hate watching his press conferences. Right. Like, I mean, I know quarterbacks don't he's, need to be the leaders, but he is an awful presence he, on the microphone. He wears his emotions on his sleeves and sometimes it gets in trouble. And maybe that's why the inconsistencies are there. No, I, I think there is. There's probably a mental tick there. Like, yep. again, I don't want to play, you know, body language or anything else. But man, when you get down, like it's it's in, in gaming, we'd call it getting tilted. Cam right. Newton, I think it's tilted on the field every now and then. There you go. And now we jump to number seven. Uh, number seven for the Los Angeles Chargers, Boomhauer. I'm sorry, Philip Rivers. <laughs> Have you seven. heard this guy talk? Like, I mean, may, well, okay. I've defended Philip Rivers my entire talking career in this podcast, all four years of it. And probably before that, when I was doing a college football podcast, I believe if Philip Rivers had decided to stay with the New York Giants, we would be considering him as one of the best quarterbacks in the entire football, in the entire NFL, (laughs) in all of football. Like he would be top five for many, many years. He is that good, but instead he goes out to a outpost like San Diego. He doesn't have the defenses that Eli Manning got in, in New York. And he would have absolutely been able to ride those coat, those, you know, defense coattails to a, to a, to two Super Bowl rings, maybe more, maybe more for the Giants. And I hate doing this what if with him every time we bring up his name because he is good for the the Chargers are like a playoff team more often than not some some years. They are always in that hunt in a very tough division, in a division that really beats itself up even when it's not good certain years, but it's a, it, the AFC West eats itself. And more often than not the Chargers 
like the Chargers had the same record last year as the Chiefs. Again, we're doing wins losses here, but like Philip Rivers is a big reason for that every year, man. Every year, it doesn't matter who they have there; he puts it together for them. I, I don't have anything new to say about Philip Rivers. He's he's old. He's we we all know who he is at this point. But I want to play a game with you real quick. Sure. He came in seventh in our list. Seven. Mm-hmm. Over or under how many kids he has? Seven. Over. Over is correct. He's got nine. I knew it, man. I, I know Rivers like the back. I know Marmalard like the back of our head. I know Boomhauer. I know him. And uh, I hope him well. He's going to ride off to the sunset to Arlen, Texas before we know it. To go be sitting, sipping beers on the side of the road. And we're going to miss him, man. We really are. We're really, really going to miss him. Now we get to the first quarterback here that has a, a, a number one vote. And once again, Jerry, what the hell are you doing? Come back on this <laughs> podcast and defend yourself. Um, at 51 points, again, another 11-point jump here, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was my number 10 quarterback. I will not understand what's going on with Andrew Luck at all. Like, I see the talent there when it shines through, but it's not 2012 anymore. It's been seven years, and Andrew Luck cannot stay healthy. And I worry about this so much, but he makes six on our list. Uh, Jeremy, I'm just seeing where you had Luck. You had him four, so please, like, I'm the doubter on Luck. You believe in luck. Go ahead. I, I'm a little bit cringing at my own list, seeing that I put luck that high, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, think, he, I think he is a victim of being overhyped from the minute he stepped on the field. And the it's fact that the, it's about how he's the Jim Harbaugh product, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And the fact that the Colts had a good year means, hey, Andrew Luck must be a really good quarterback. But you look at his stats. He had that one playoff game where he like came back from a ridiculous yeah. number Against of points the down and yeah. the Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, he had 15 interceptions last year. That's second most, only second to Ben Roethlisberger. He averaged 7.2 yards per attempt, which is just okay. It's not great. And I don't know, like, I, he, he's extremely talented. The, the Colts don't have a plethora of, of offensive weapons, so I, I get those excuses. But I, I just think there's a little, the, the hype doesn't match the production yet. The f- and to be clear, too, his offensive line has been terrible more often than not as well, too. True, true. But I mean, if you if you're talking about fantastic NFL quarterbacks, I I think there's a I think every single one ahead of him on our list deserves to be there. And I know I put Andrew Luck four, so I'm I'm I don't I don't I want to redo my list. I I hastily threw it together now, I guess. But Andrew Luck's a a top ten quarterback for sure. I think he's probably more. I, I think six is actually an okay spot for him. Honestly, actually, I just looked it up. Football Outsiders ranks the the Indianapolis offensive line fourth last year in efficiency. Well, there you go. So there's big improvement there. Maybe. Maybe Maybe that's uh, more on the run blocking. I don't know. I don't know. But Andrew Luck was third in PFF grades, if if you care about PFF. So he deserves to be in the in the top five discussion. I think he does. It's just that, again, I just I'm not going to be a believer until I really see something out of Indianapolis. It's one of those teams that just doesn't go anywhere that I really need to see something about. You know, I'm tying the quarterback absolutely towards uh, their team success. I'm sorry. I know you hate that, but let's move on to our top five. Once again, we spent a lot of time in the bottom of this list. Number five at 61 points here, Russell Wilson. And I know Golden Tate has come out here and said that you know, the only good qu- quarterback he served with was Matt Stafford. But he didn't say the only good one. He said Matthew Stafford was the best. I still disagree with that statement. Russell Wilson. I, I don't know what else you need to see out of Russell Wilson. If you're still hating on Russell Wilson right now, you just think he's corny with Sierra. 
which I mean, <laughs> I kind of get it, but at the same time. The guy is playing on you because he's got Sierra. He's got Sierra and Miracle Water. What else do you need in life? And Miracle Water and a ring. And I mean, what else, man? Like, I, mean, I Seattle guy, is Seattle is a slowly decaying empire, and yet still Russell Wilson shines. And and I think a lot of people hate on him for holding on the ball too long. I mean, half the reason he's always top three in, in sacks is because he does hold on to a lot. But I think you take those sacks with the plays that he can make with his Absolutely. throws that he can make on the run are second to probably nobody. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can make some of the throws Russell Wilson can make. Maybe Patrick Mahomes when we'll get to, to both those guys in a little bit. But Russell Wilson was like the OG with some of these ridiculous on the move passes. His accuracy is, is, has got to be in the conversation of top two in the league, I think. Absolutely. And I think the only reason we're downgrading him is, again, tying quarterback to, to uh, success of their team. And uh, again, Seattle is, has, is not what it used to be. The Legion of Boom's not there. The offensive line deteriorates. A lot of those weapons he used to lean on are gone. So, I mean... Maybe Golden Tate just didn't play with Russell Wilson when he was at the height of his power. I don't know. That's actually probably true. That is true. Uh, number four, Patrick Mahomes, which I mean, okay, the three in front of him, I get why they're rated above him. But like after the Mahomes hype this year, I was shocked to see him at four. Maybe it's just the number. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is, I think the question is, can he do it again? Yeah. I mean, that's that's always the question with the young quarterback. That's why I was a little bit, um, bullish on or bear, bullish on on Deshaun Watson after his first year. It's it's why I'm I'm holding back with Patrick. No, Mahomes. bearish, bearish, it's bearish, bearish. Whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. Sh- I should remember bearish. Bearish means holding your with judgment. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad. So. Yeah, yeah, bears bad. Uh, remember that. <laughs> but anyways, Patrick Mahomes, I I think he also has a. I mean, he's he's young, so a little bit of carelessness is to be expected with a young guy. I think that's there. I think he's been a little bit fortunate not to be his turnover happy as, as maybe his plays deserved, but the guy is so much fun to watch. The guy makes ridiculous throws. The guy's crazy athletic. The guy, I mean, he's just so entertaining to watch because he's so talented and gifted. And he, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't be a, a, a top three quarterback for years to come. For the record, I think he can still keep growing. Like yeah. everything I saw from him last year has me. There's no reason to think that's just a flash in the pan, but we will see. Um, beating him by only one point to number three is Drew Brees. As he ages, we still see the best out of Drew Brees. And it, the, the Saints, to their credit, have built a impressive offensive lineup around him. And Drew Brees reminds you, man, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a shock at the end when we count up Drew Brees' accomplishment and we're like, wow, this guy only got one Super Bowl ring. But it, Drew Brees... He hit 40 this year. He's coming off his best statistical year ever, ever, ever. 74.4. Like a fine freaking line. 115 passer rating, 32 touchdowns. How many interceptions? Five. Are you kidding me with this guy? He's still playing at a crazy high level. I mean, yeah, if, if, it, if it weren't for the championships, we'd be talking. I mean, he'd be right in the conversation right next to Tom Brady. And, and maybe he is still. Well, speaking of Tom Brady, I don't remember where he was because we used to do three different, you know, list casts. But Tom Brady only comes in at number two here, which means number one is Aaron Rodgers. And there is a nine point difference here. And there's it's not even like some chicanery with how we run our list cast. 
Brady had the same number of first place votes as Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has still beat out Tom Brady. And this has been the overarching argument nonstop for Sports Talk Radio for, for actually for years now, but it's only intensified in past years. And Brady, I get it. He has the rings. And I think at the end, much like with Breeze, we're going to be like, why did Rodgers only get one, maybe two? I don't know if the Packers have another ben run. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Mike McCarthy. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it's it's going to be an enigma. It's going to be that Marino Montana thing all over again. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to that at all. I'm well, not looking. It's already here, and I'm not looking forward to it. But I mean, okay, like go ahead. What what's your argument here? Because I know you had Tom Brady over Rogers. I I do, and to me, it's just like no one has assumed their role in their offense better than Tom Brady. No one has just like known what's expected out of him and just done it year in year out. And I'm not a QB wins guy. And for the longest time, I think for longer than more than most people, I had Aaron Rodgers above Tom Brady. Cause I think in terms of just pure talent, Aaron Rodgers has the best arm, some of the best, you know, out of the pocket uh, moves and, and, and plays and all that sort of stuff. But Tom Brady just does what he's at. I mean, he Tom Brady doesn't need to do any of that stuff. He's not asked to do any of that stuff. Maybe if they did ask him to, he could. Probably not outside of the pocket stuff. We've all seen Tom Brady run. But, I mean, no one has just perfected their job like Tom Brady has. And also, I want to mention that Jerry has also thrown a, a wrench into our rankings here by putting Tom Brady seventh, eighth on his list. I can't believe it. <laughs> That still Jerry, doesn't make up for the point differentiation, but still, that's But like, it makes up for half the difference. Does it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, actually, no, the math is in my head now. That is absolutely true. Damn it, Jerry. Jerry, Jerry is embracing his role as like chaos, chaos tech of the list cast. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't be happier, to be honest. I have no interest in litigating the Brady and Rogers debate. As I said, it is the it is the 21st century version of Marino and Montana. They well, are yeah. both incredibly it's funny because- excellent. Yeah, it used, it, it used to be Brady Manning, and now it's Brady Rogers. I mean, it was. I know, you know, my friend Rob Parker, my my uh, <laughs> my mentor, Rob Parker, of of the Detroit area and elsewhere. Now with Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports One, he. I mean, one of the last things I ever did at his class at USC was Brady versus Montana, which I mean, pro. I had to argue Montana, and I lost bad. But I mean, there's it's it, it's hard. It, I don't think that argument holds up now. But I mean, like every time we do, do these arguments, like I love having the arguments. I just don't want to be one of the contestants in these arguments because it is deciding between bourbon and scotch. They're both really good. And you're going to find one guy out there who insists on scotch, regardless of any other bit of basis of any other fact that you can come up with, he will say scotch. And and bourbon, there is something just mellow about it, and it's a personal favorite, and I can get the appeal of scotch, but I'm a bourbon fan, and that's like, again, I will let you figure out if Brady or Rogers, which one is scotch and which one is bourbon. But you know what? They're both excellent. There you go. And that's Liz Cast. That's list cast. We're done with this, man. We are we done with it. this. We're going to have some fun list casts here. Probably. I mean, we, we nixed mailbag this week because we were lazy 
And I think, again, this might happen during the season. Please send us your feedback. And we want to read good reviews. Uh, we're at the end of the show here. Again, send us send us five-star reviews on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can do reviews on Google Podcasts. Someone find that out for me, please. Thank you. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher. If we see them, we'll read them. Uh, if you just if you leave one, maybe like add us at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Get our attention. We will help you out. We want to grow the uh, we want to grow the empire. We've had some just fine repeat listeners over the years, and you know, fourth fourth year anniversary is coming up. Uh, I don't. We'll, we'll try to do something special for it. I think I'd rather wait for the fifth year for doing something really wild. But it's been great, man, and uh, can't wait for the season. Say, this time next week, will we be talking? We'll be talking about uh, preseason, right? It'll be coming up. Yep. No, 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 no. Yeah, we'll be doing our preseason preview, pretty much. Pre preview. The pre preview. See you, Starside folks. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. <laughs>